Well, good evening. It's good to be in God's house, isn't it? This kind of reminds me of a couple weeks ago. I said it's looking like the Noah's Ark crowd. <laughs> I guess that's all right, though. It's good to be in the ark. <laughs> Let's stand and ask God to bless our time together. Precious Savior, we welcome you into our presence, Lord. It's good to be in your presence, and we ask that you would be in our presence, that we could abide together. We thank you, Lord, for your ministry in our hearts throughout this week and how you've encouraged us and strengthened us. We thank you for the special season to celebrate your birth, and we ask, Lord Jesus, that you would move upon us tonight as we've gathered together, putting the world aside to focus upon you and the things that you have for us. We ask that you administer to our souls. We long for your outpouring, Lord. Make yourself known unto us tonight, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I guess I should come down there. I wonder if anyone has a testimony or a song upon your heart. Amen. Good. Amen. Thank the Lord. At least some of them are. <laughs> Amen. We miss Brother Weaver. We miss the organ playing for sure. And we miss Daryl's plan to have the piano and the violin together and calling on the auxiliary forces among us. <laughs> Appreciate those that are willing to use their talents for the Lord. Amen. Anyone else with a testimony or a song or a chorus on your heart? Amen. 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 Good. Thank the Lord. Anyone else? Chorus or song or testimony? 148. Let's sing 148. Testimony of his faithfulness. He never has failed me yet. 
one person says, what do you mean yet? Is he about to? <laughs> it means he hasn't failed up to this point. And if he hasn't failed up to this point, we don't expect him to start anytime soon. Thank the Lord. Praise the Lord. 148. afraid to get your lightning rod up. Amen. What's that? I'm not for sure how that goes. Is that the same? Yeah, the same? Okay, let's try the chorus again, but instead of He hasn't failed me yet, let's sing He hasn't failed me now. Let's put it to the second verse. So I walk by His side through the heat of the day Where He leads me I'll follow His will I'll Conquer the ills that beset. 
What a promise. What a testimony. Amen. Anyone else? Um, he's done a lot for me. Thank the Lord. But one thing, he told me he would save me, and he did. Praise the Lord. Good. He has covered my um, sins with his blood, and um, he said he would do that, and that's what he's done. Amen. And I thank the Lord for that. I appreciate Amen. being here tonight, and um, I've been reading a book by Sister Micah's grandfather, and there's a lot of challenges in that. Mm. <laughs> I've been really um, blessed by different Good. Portions of it, and also I've been reading um, um, a book about Finney, and that has been a challenge too on prayer. Good. <laughs> and um, I'm just thankful for those those ones that have gone on before, and such as Finney, and there's been others too that have left an influence for us to follow. And Amen. I appreciate what the Lord means to me tonight. <coughs> his leadership. Amen. Good. Praise the Lord. Good. Anyone else with a testimony? I'm thankful that the Lord is faithful and um, felt his encouragement this morning in a special way. Good. I'm so thankful that over the years he has been faithful and I can trust him and know that even when I can't always see him working, that he is at work and doing his will and I can trust him. Amen. Praise the Lord. Anyone else with a testimony or a song? favorites 313 all right 313 I'm rusty on this tune so you all have to help me out till I pick up on it again it's been a while since I've sung this one 315 I'm sorry all oh, 313. I am familiar with that one. <laughs> Amen. Trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our what he says he will do, he stands with us still, and with all who will trust and obey, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the 
but his smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sigh nor a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil He doth richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, not a Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. But we never can prove the delights of His love until all on the altar we favor he shows and the joy he bestows are for them who will trust and obey trust and obey for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey then in fellowship sweet, we will sit at His feet, or we'll walk by His side in the way. What He says we will do, where He sends we will go, never fear, only trust and obey. Trust for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. The first verse. Let's sing the first verse again. When we walk with the Lord in the light of His Word, what a glory He sheds on our way. While we do His good will, He abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no recipe for spiritual success is hidden in almost every line of that song. Trust and obey. Praise the Lord. 
Anyone else with a testimony or a song? Forty-seven. All right, let's sing number forty-seven.
Till I cross the narrow sea There are heights of joy That I may not reach Till I rest in peace with Thee Draw me nearer, nearer Nearer, blessed Lord To the cross Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Amen. That's a good song to go to the Lord in prayer this evening. To draw nearer to Him, the desire to be nearer and nearer. Regardless of where we might be spiritually, there's always more to know about Jesus, more love to have for Him, closer walk to be achieved, drawing ever closer. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, let's do remember those who aren't here. Let's sing hymn number 68. 68. Let's stand to sing this one. The author writes, all that thrills my soul is Jesus. Amen. He is more than life to me. And the fairest of ten thousand. In my blessed Lord I see. Thank the Lord. Who can cheer the heart like Jesus? What an encourager. Amen. Hymn number 68. Hey. 
Tozer said Christians don't lie. He said they just sing lies. <laughs> Maybe that's the case for some people when they sing that. But I'm glad to say that all that thrills my soul is Jesus. Amen. Amen. I've been thinking about this. I don't know why it stuck out to me, especially today, but I've been thinking about how different people, you talk to them about something, they get to talking about something they like, something that really gets their gears turning, really gets them excited, if you will, and they say, oh, I'm getting goosebumps. Oh, I got goosebumps. And I was talking to one person one time, and I don't remember even what they were talking about, but something mechanical, I guess. And, oh, I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. They were so excited. <laughs> I thought, boy, why don't Christians get excited? If we really believe the Bible, there'd be some difference, wouldn't there? Amen? We get, we get all together, and we start rubbing off on each other. We need to get in the Lord's presence. Let some of Him rub off on us. Amen? I was sitting there in the office this morning and just thinking about the Lord's presence and the ability to be able to feel the Lord's presence and started getting my soul blessed. Amen. Amen. That's what thrills me. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord that He provides for all our needs. Mike and I were just talking about this past week. We got to talking about something and not, not really even hardly a, a necessity. I mean, the Lord provides for so many things, but there was just a, a want that we had. And we thought, well, we'll have to maybe save up for that a little bit and plan for that a little bit. And maybe over some time, if the Lord will bless us, we'll be able to obtain that. And then uh, somebody said, oh, here, here, have this. And it was just what we had been talking about. I mean, I mean, we're not missing any meals. Don't get me wrong. You guys are taking real good care of us. My wife's taking too good care of me. I'm, my, one of my New Year's resolutions is to get rid of some of the uh, well, <laughs> my wife's a good cook. We'll just put it that way. She's added to my life in more ways than one. <laughs> I've put some pounds on since I've been married. I want to get rid of some of those pounds, get limbered up and loosened up again. I, I miss being in good physical shape. But uh, 
just the Lord's provision. And He cares about some of the little things that we desire. He cares about those and He answers those desires of our heart. And, and uh, He says He will give His people the desires of their heart. And some people w would desire things that God would not give them and could not give them in His righteousness and His holiness. But really, if you're His child and your heart is surrendered to Him and He helps guide and direct your desires, then He wants to give you those things. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Every need His hand supplying. Every good in Him I see. On His strength divine relying. He is all and all to me. Man, that's my testimony tonight. Amen. Anyone else with a testimony before we get into the Bible study? Lord, been helping you this week? Speaking to you in your devotions? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good. Thank the Lord. Anyone else? Praise His name. Amen. Good. Praise the Lord. Good. Praise the Lord. Good. That's so true. I was just telling Alex the other night, well, at the back of the church there, and it's good to see Alex again. We're going to just claim him if he visits too many times. <laughs> but I uh, was telling him about a friend of mine that came to the church in Circleville and was just kind of playing games for a while with the Lord and would come pretty regularly for a while and then would miss pretty regularly for a while. You know, some people miss as regular as they come, but... I just got a burden to pray for him. And I, I don't pray this way for everybody, and maybe I should pray this way more, but just prayed and said, Lord, you know, whatever you'd have to do to wake him out of this slumber, this pattern of doing good for a little bit to feel good and then falling back into that old ditch again and doing good and then back again, back and forth. And one person explained it like a, their, their experience with the Lord was like a yo-yo, is up and down. Thank the Lord we don't have to be like a yo-yo. We can have an have a even keel. It can be solid with him, but... Anyway, I was praying for this gentleman. I said, you know, Lord, I said, whatever you'd have to do to wake him up would be worth it. Shy of sending him into eternity without you. You know, whatever that would be. And you say, well, you, do you wish ill on somebody? No, I would never want to do that. But really, whatever it would take. Because this world is not conducive for eternal thinking. You think about the lyrics of much of the music in the world. And you think about the movies and 
just the whole system, the whole system together as a, as a package deal, because that's really what it is, a package deal, and you get wrapped into it. But uh, it, it doesn't help you to plan for eternity or think about eternity. And sometimes the death in the family, when somebody's standing there before the casket and it's their loved one inside, is the only time that their life slows down enough to really ponder what the future might look like. But I prayed for this gentleman, and, and the Lord did answer my prayer in a way that I didn't expect, and uh, he had a heart attack. And uh, he, he got saved. He truly repented and got saved on the, in the hospital. And uh, let's see, how was it? I think I was out of town, and my dad was on his way up. We were both heading there, both ministers, and... My dad was heading there, and I was heading there, and my dad got there first, and he got saved when my dad was there. And I said, oh, I missed it. <laughs> he said, well, you're too late. <laughs> I already got saved. And, and uh, he had a motorcycle, and it was a Harley motorcycle, and he, uh, that was his thing that kept him out of church a lot of times. But anyway, he said, one thing that stuck out to me is he said, if I, if I uh, survive to get back out of the hospital, he said, I'm going to sell that motorcycle. And I knew he was a changed man when he said he was going to sell his motorcycle. I, he had, uh, I used to ride too. I had an enduro bike, the one I wrecked on. And I uh, haven't ridden since, but that enduro bike I had, I used to tease Dave was his name. I said, Dave, you have more money in your custom painted fairing with the radio built in, your saddlebags than I have in my whole motorcycle. <laughs> he did. He had over 4,200, I think, in just the custom saddlebags. But uh, anyway, his testimony before he left the world was, thank God for heart attacks. Thank God for heart attacks. That's, that's a sober soul that can say a statement like that. Thank God for heart attacks. But it was worth it. He's in glory now. Made it in. You know, thank the Lord for giving him a deathbed experience so he could get right with the Lord. Who knows where he would be if he had died any other way. Thank God for heart attacks. But we do thank the Lord. What made me think of that was talking about your relative there and Softening another person's heart. Thank the Lord for that. We praise the Lord. He works in mysterious ways, doesn't he? Amen. Amen. All hearts clear tonight. All right. Let's take our Bibles and turn to Matthew. Matthew chapter 2. to pause for just a moment and ask the Lord's blessing on our Bible study. We thank you, Lord, once again for the opportunity to open up your word, and we pray that you would give us understanding down in our souls. Manifest uh, to us yourself that we may glorify you through all that we do, say, and think. Bless us these next few moments as we read the words, minister to our souls, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 2. Uh, last week, many of you weren't here. I was trying to think. Uh, it's almost like we got two churches going on sometimes when people are sick. <laughs> I, uh, I, I lose track. My mom is one that keeps really good notes of what people preach on. And um, one time I preached at my home church and my mom said, Your grandfather preached on that at such and such a day and used that same text. <laughs> and I thought, well, that's interesting. I didn't know that. But she keeps good notes. She'll jot down the day and who it was that was preaching and where it was and all that stuff. And I don't keep good track of that. And I, I uh, ministered a, a variety of congregations there for a period of time in my life. Not too awful long ago, I was ministering here on Sunday mornings and ministering in London on Sunday afternoons. And then Logan 
Sunday night and at my home church in Circleville on Wednesdays and another church on Thursdays and street preaching and you kind of forget uh, who has heard what and we don't like to bore people but last week um, excuse me last week I kind of mentioned uh, a brief summary and it wasn't it wasn't inclusive I'm still working on it but it was a summary of the miracles involved in Jesus Christ's birth uh, from the the Christmas story as we know it and I thought it would be good um, we could go over it again because many of you weren't here um, or you could go back and listen to that recording but I would like to really hone in on Matthew chapter 2 uh, speaking of the wise men and all the miracles that were involved um, in that and th that would have been after Jesus' birth and so as I mentioned last week we have um, the birth or we have the miracle the miracles um, of all the prophecies that were fulfilled uh, from hundreds of years prior in the Old Testament and uh, the alignment of everything and I just thought that was interesting as I studied over that again today um, the, how the Lord aligned everything together to work out and we're going to kind of be looking at some of that tonight um, talking about the wise men coming and then uh, Herod trying to kill Jesus but then uh, the Lord led them away and led them to another place and another place. And we're going to get into that a little bit later on. But um, all of those prophecies that were fulfilled uh, in Jesus' birth and in the Christmas story, all the, the prophetic miracles, if you will, and uh, how it must have really baffled some people back in the day and those that studied uh, the Hebrew Scriptures and those that tried to study and the prophecies of Christ's coming, His first coming, and I thought, well, how similar it must be to how Jesus' second coming is going to be. And people look at the prophecies and they try to add up. And then uh, something that seems like in current day events will really probe some people. They just cannot sit still and keep their mouth shut. They just think it has to go along with whatever the Lord is going to do. But, you know, God can work out. He can move. And like I mentioned last week, that He aligned the culture, the government, economics, the environment... Uh, to converge everything at the right timing, as the Lord's timing. And I mentioned that passage in Galatians 4.4 that talks about everything coming together. And when it was time, Jesus um, came into the earth. And I think some Christians maybe think or get the idea, and I, I wouldn't necessarily think it's a really wrong because I was there at one point, but they would think that um, there's some events that are going to have to happen uh, before Jesus can return the second time or before Jesus can do this or before God can work this out. But God has a way of bringing all those things together seamlessly, streamlined, and fulfilling His prophecies. And uh, I personally believe that that's the way it's going to be in the end times. I, I don't know. I think there's some, there are a lot of prophecies that have been fulfilled. Um, but I think some people will think that there's, they, they've got it you know, so figured out, they've got it nailed down where they think, you know, well, this is going to have to happen yet. We haven't seen this. We haven't seen that. And so there's going to be some years out. And I heard one person say, Jesus said to live ready, to live ready at all times, regardless of what you and I may think or what we may feel like we see or understand in the culture around us and the world around us and world events. We're to live ready because uh, whether we go all together or one at a time, we are going to go. And there's many people who haven't prepared for the Lord's coming because they didn't think that the current events were aligned enough that Jesus could come back. But guess what? Jesus came back for them. And they're gone. And so we must live ready at all times. 
But um, I had mentioned some of that, mentioned some of the miracles involved in uh, John's birth, John as being the forerunner, John the Baptist. The angel appeared uh, to Zechariah, um, prophesied of the Holy Spirit. The child was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit uh, from his mother's womb, the angel said, and that's a miracle. Um, talking about the spirit that he was going to be the forerunner and the spirit and the power of Elijah. That's a miracle. Um, Eli or Elizabeth and Zechariah. Elizabeth conceived and they were able to have a son in old age. That was a miracle. Of course, that's the central miracle of that uh, story with Elizabeth and Zechariah. But then also Zechariah's speech uh, because of his unbelief. He was not able to have a voice uh, or speak until after John was born. That's a miracle. Um, then the miracles about Mary and Joseph, that the angel appeared to Mary and told her of the plans. Mary was submitted to God's will. We mentioned that. And uh, then she conceived. Of course, there's the miracle of the, the virgin uh, birth and the virgin conception. And that's, that's the greatest miracle, maybe, in the whole story. Then we have, uh, after that, when Joseph found out that the angel appeared to Joseph, and that was a miracle. We have the shepherds, um, the angel of the Lord appearing to the shepherds, and then we have the multitude of heavenly hosts appearing to the shepherds. Um, then, in the, the order that I have it in, we have the uh, wise men, the wise men who came from afar, and the star, the wise men who studied the scriptures and had a desire to look into this, and the star, the star was a miracle. The, the fact that they could see it from so far away was maybe part of that same miracle of the star. Uh, we're going to look at some of that. Then um, after Jesus' birth, Joseph was, was warned in a dream, and that's the passage we're going to read. So maybe you have some other thoughts before we dive into that. Maybe some thoughts from last week or some uh, thought, thoughts or comments. All right, let's take turns reading uh, through this passage. Let's see how far we want to go. I do wonder if he didn't have a plan of salvation, but he ever created this. Hmm, that's an interesting thought. Um, it does, the New Testament points out different times that the plan of salvation was laid out before the foundations of the earth, so we know that he did have a plan of redemption even before uh, creation, and before the account in Genesis. So we do know that it's a fact that he did. Salvation wasn't an afterthought. It wasn't a, uh-oh, they sinned. Now what? Now what do we do? Uh, but the Lord, he's, he's always ahead of everything. And he had the plan of salvation ready. And that was already um, planned out, if you will. He's uh, the author and the finisher of our faith. It says there in Hebrews, I believe that's uh, t Hebrews 12, maybe, beginning chapter of 12. But that's an interesting thought. If he would have, would he have created mankind if he didn't have salvation? I don't know. What we do know is that we are here and we do have salvation. <laughs> Amen.
Yeah, that's interesting. I've always kind of struggled. I think when we when we uh, understand the predestination of the Lord or the um, the understanding that God can foresee things, I think we do we uh, we we get to a point in our understanding where the two collide together: free will and God's planning. And so you're going to be faced with that question if you're a very deep thinker. <laughs> and uh, where I've come in my conclusion with all of that in, in regards to does God know if a person is going to become a Christian or does God know if a person is going to backslide? Uh, does God know this or does God know that? There are passages in the scriptures, uh, not only the prophecies of the son of perdition, but there is also reference that Jesus made of Judas uh, when Judas was going to betray him and foretold that um, there would be one that would be there that would betray him and it seemed to be maybe before Judas knew. So it seems like to me in scripture that it points out that uh, it was foretold that Judas would be the one who betrayed Jesus. However, it doesn't seem to point out the fact that Judas would not be able to have salvation after he betrayed Jesus. See, all the disciples uh, denied Jesus, but uh, Judas betrayed Jesus. And I've often wondered, and again, we can get into the realm of the what-ifs, and there's really not a lot of solid answers for sometimes the what-if questions that we can have. So we do need to stay close to the Scriptures where it's solid ground. But with that being said about Judas, uh, I've often wondered the difference in the story if Judas would have waited to commit suicide if he hadn't have killed himself and, and what if he would have been around till the third day when Jesus rose again what a different story that could have been uh, doesn't seem to be anything in the scriptures that says that the son of perdition uh, would also commit suicide I'm not aware of that uh, if you are make me aware of that I'm not aware of that I'm not aware of any place in the scriptures that says that um, I, we just talked about the fact that um, you know Jesus or God and the Trinity, the Holy Trinity, had come up with a plan of salvation before the world began. It says before the foundations of the earth, that is clear. It doesn't, however, say that before the world began, he knew that people would rebel. Not that I'm aware of. Um, so I think um, salvation was definitely the backup plan. It wasn't the goal. But in regards to that thought, what, what I was thinking about when he was talking was um, what what better way would there be to show your love to people and what kind of love it is if not only that you love them before they sin, but that you love them after they've sinned against you and rebelled against you. And it really almost does help us understand God's love even in a deeper way than what some may otherwise would have uh, if there would have been known. I want to be careful about that, but I think in regards to, I think, what some people don't realize what they have until they lose it. That's just how a lot of people are. And that's how we are in our sin curse uh, background or with the sin nature, with the uh, elements of sin affecting the earth in our minds. But it is hard to know uh, what it would be like right now if Adam and Eve had not sinned. And that does leave the door wide open for lots of questions that I don't think the Bible gives us really clear answers on. We do need to acknowledge that the Bible doesn't give an answer for everything. 
And some people would have a hard time with that. We would have a really hard time. So, yeah, there's answers for every question. I heard one person say there's answers for every question. But we need not forget very clearly where Jesus told John to put down the pen. If you read through the book of Revelation very much, you know where that's at. And he tells John to put down the pen and not to write a certain part. And why is that? I used to struggle with that. But anybody have any thoughts? Why would he tell John to put down the pen and not write something that John saw? Would you be able to do that? Yeah, that's the conclusion that I've come to anyway. So there are some things that the Lord sees best that we not understand or not know about. But He has given us enough answers. He has given us enough information that we don't have to have any doubts about His promises that He's going to carry us through and that the way is very clearly mapped out. And that is one thing for sure. I, I don't think that there's anything wrong with um, I guess there could be in an extreme case, but there's not a lot wrong with just surmising and asking questions maybe or letting your mind wander to a degree. Um, but when it comes to the authority of God's Word and when it comes to our, uh, what we believe in our heart, we need to make sure that we don't allow ourselves to uh, put any beliefs in our hearts or any convictions in our hearts or any standings or principles, adapt any principles in our heart that is not clearly in the scriptures. I think we get into a dangerous area. So there's a point in which we can allow our minds to wander a little bit and think, well, what if this or what if that? But when it comes to our faith, we need to, we need to keep the what-ifs aside, keep the what-ifs in our mind and our, in our mental capacity, and keep the solid truth and the promises and the principles of God's Word down deep in our hearts where we can be solid. But maybe someone else has some thoughts or comments about that. We might not get through it all, but I'd like to read the whole chapter here. It's only 23 verses. And uh, I'll read a verse, and then you as the congregation read the next verse, and we'll take turns every other one, kind of like the responsive reading. Matthew chapter 2. I'll begin to read verse 1, and you can read 2. I'll read 3, you read 4, and you get the idea. As long as you can count. If anybody starts reading out of turn, we'll have math class afterwards. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. Go and search diligently for the 
When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, which they saw in the east, went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeareth to Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother, and flee into Egypt, and be thou, and be thou there until I bring thee word, for Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. And was there until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. And he arose and took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. And he came and dwelled in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. All right, very good. Notice how I spaced that out where you guys got all the long words. <laughs> That's a lot of planning. <laughs> now anyway, uh, isn't that story beautiful? It's good just to read through it again. I've heard it so many times, and you probably have heard it a million times too, but so good, so encouraging. What a reality. Do you really believe you really believe the testimony of the scriptures. That was quite, quite the event, wasn't it? Starts off, verse number one. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. And I guess it doesn't necessarily say how many wise men, but we just 
naturally assume that it was three because the three gifts. And uh, some people, maybe scholars, I'm not a Bible scholar, I don't consider myself to be any, anyhow, um, would even believe that there were more than just three, but there's quite, quite a group, quite a number. And uh, that seems to fit what would be the custom of those days and as far as traveling, and especially such a journey. You wouldn't be able to just uh, take off with the clothes on your back, but you'd have to be well prepared, wouldn't you? You'd have to be well prepared. doesn't say exactly how, how long, I guess, it took them. Um, but I think what's interesting is the passage refers to Jesus as a young child. The different, or the different uh, places where it's mentioned, Jesus is mentioned, calls him a young child. doesn't call him a baby anymore. calls him a young child. And uh, Herod was intrigued with this, and he was trying to figure out how long they had been on this journey or how long since they had seen this star. And uh, then we find out later in the Scriptures when he goes out to murder the children that he murders all the children from two years and, uh, and under. And that, that itself, uh, can you imagine the bloody scene of murdering, going through the city door to door, and murdering all the children from two years and under? That doesn't sound like he was interested in worshiping Christ. He's obviously lying, and the, the Lord spoke to those wise men. Is there anything else here that sticks out to you in this first portion of this chapter. Mm -hmm. I don't think I mentioned earlier, but yeah, that was one of the one of the prophecies that was fulfilled and it gives the quote from the prophet right there in that passage, doesn't it? What a hatred for any a challenger of his kingdom. Herod was willing to go out and kill the king-to-be. It doesn't say exactly how long, um, but it was obviously before Jesus started his miracles, so it would have been before Jesus reached the age of his ministry, but it wasn't too awful long after that that Herod died anyway, sounds like. And I guess could say not too long, but it doesn't give an actual date or how long it was. But um, maybe he was up in years, maybe he was sick, it's hard to know. But I thought that was interesting that even though uh, his kingship didn't last very long, and I don't know that he was aware of that, if he was up in years and was aware that his kingship might not last very long, but that would still be interesting that um, the prophecies of a king prophecies of Christ and uh, it was almost like I mean they, the wise here, here come the wise men and they just didn't go on in and follow the star but they stopped kind of at the headquarters if you will and said you know well if there's something special going on here people here should at least know about it it seems like and so what's going on where is he where is the king at and they were inquiring where is he at just tell us you know save us continuing to look if you just tell us and uh, Herod seems unaware of anything is special going on and without even missing a beat without I mean I know that he called his men in there and they were questioning and things but it seems like it didn't take him too long to figure out that 
his desire wasn't to go and worship this king, but that he had an ulterior motive, and it was to try to annihilate this king, to destroy this king, to be, even as a child. Um, I was trying to think. I'm not aware of anything off the top of my head, but it seems like there might be some stories. Actually, there are, but I don't remember the name of the, the young man. Who was it in the Old Testament um, that went after a young child or a young boy? And was it the nurse that was fleeing with the child and fell and broke her leg or her hip or something and had a limp maybe? Do you guys remember that story? you want to share any details? Anybody remember that more than I do? Maybe it is. Was it Jehoshaphat? I can't remember for sure. Okay. Okay. I need to read that again. I had the details all skewed there. Yeah, so maybe it wasn't that uncommon for them to go after children, but it seems seems um, like a ruthless person to do that kind of stuff, doesn't it? They came... Oh, go ahead. Well, it says that Herod was troubled with all Jerusalem. I can understand why Herod was, because they were looking for a king of Jews. And I wonder, all Jerusalem was him. must have all liked Herod. Yeah, I wondered about that, if that was just like the, the leaders, maybe like the representatives of Jerusalem, or if it was all of Jerusalem, if the word went out and everybody was kind of really taken back by this. That's interesting, isn't it? Unrest. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's a good point. Gathered all the chief priests, all the scribes, gathered them together, and demanded, where Christ should be born.
Mm-hmm. That's good. That's a good point. Anyone else? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point too. Um, another thought I was thinking about in regards to that, that they all expected more in the physical, like a physical deliverer, and didn't recognize a spiritual deliverer coming. And I think maybe that would be a, uh, a bad example, I guess. I was going to say a good example, but that would be an example of someone who can miss the context of Scripture and preach it and teach it, to where there's enough of society that the majority of society is expecting something different than what God has prophesied about His Son. I thought, thought that was interesting as he was talking about that in regards to... When I think of these prophecies, I've been thinking about some of the prophecies of the second coming of Christ. And there will be uh, some similarities of the second coming of Christ with the first coming of Christ. And uh, how there's maybe many people who would misunderstand or misteach and just accept it for truth without really questioning and contrasting it against Scripture. But, yeah, here they, here they were. And Again, we don't want to read through the lines between the lines too much. And it's okay as long as we keep that in that mental category that it's not, you know, salvational, it's in our heart. But um, along with what Daryl said, maybe... Some of the Jews had said to the Romans, "You just wait till our king comes; he's going to straighten things out." You know, maybe that's kind of the way they talked, and maybe the the Romans were kind of on edge. Well, when is this? When is this guy we've been hearing about? When is he coming? You know, who? It's hard to know. Hard to know exactly, but it does say that they were troubled and got a lot of people riled up, didn't it? These men showing up. What are they? What are they here for? They're here. For the king. Well, here I am. No, they're here for the king of the Jews. Uh-oh. Where's he at? He's, a, he's among us already? Where is he? Good thoughts. Anybody else? Said there, we have seen his star in the east. Seen it in the east. And we're come to worship him. Brought gifts, brought these treasures seen him from afar and uh, the miracle of the star is interesting and uh, 
couple of things that really stuck out to me about the miracle of the stars is one, of course, they could see it from so far, and we know that stars, they can be seen from a long ways away. But it was interesting to me that these wise men, or at least the scriptures, seems to only give clarification that the wise men were the ones that saw the stars and traveled from afar, and that it wasn't maybe another group of people, or why, why weren't there like three or four groups of people? Why weren't there people that came from different countries? Why weren't there some people uh, there in Bethlehem that looked up and said, wow, what is this? What's going on? It's very interesting to me. At least the scripture doesn't point out and doesn't mean it didn't necessarily happen. We, we do have to be careful with context and what scripture says. And I was talking to one person. I don't even remember what the subject was about, and it's probably just as well, but we were discussing. You ever had a, an intense discussion? <laughs> we were having a discussion. I said, well, you know, but the Bible doesn't actually say that. You say that, that this is what happened, but the Bible doesn't actually say that. The person said, well, it doesn't say that it didn't. <laughs> I thought, oh, no. We, we've got a lot of places that we could read in between the lines. We do have to be careful. Um, but I just thought that was interesting that the, these wise men are mentioned as the ones who saw the star, and the star was... Uh, the star did lead them, but kind of kind of have questions in my mind, I guess. So why weren't there other people that saw the star? Why weren't there other people looking? Why weren't there people there in Bethlehem? If it led these wise men from so far away, uh, maybe, it, maybe it wasn't necessarily just there in Bethlehem. Because it says it, it uh, where's the passage at? Oh, uh, no, verse number nine. Verse number nine. It says, when they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star, there's, they found the star again pretty easily, which they saw in the east, it went before them. It went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. They weren't going, doesn't seem to send out the picture. I've heard people paint the uh, picture or tell the Christmas story of the fact that, you know, the, the shepherds are going and they're knocking door to door. Is, is there a baby born here? Is there a king born? Is there a king here? Or the wise men, you know, they're saying, oh, well, maybe he's in this area. Let's go down this street. Let's see where he's at. It seems to point out by the scriptures, to be pointed out by the scriptures, that it showed them exactly where the child was. And maybe that was the answer to my previous question. Maybe I answered my own question. I might get be pre pretty smart if I answer my own questions. But <laughs> I don't know if that's a sign that I'm smart or a sign that I'm dumb. But maybe, maybe the star was just for the wise men. If it started where they were and it led them from the east to Bethlehem and then stopped and stood over where the young child was. I thought that's interesting. But it does seem to say that it moved and then it stopped. So it wasn't, I don't believe that it was just any star. I thought that was interesting. Um, I think maybe Daryl shared it at the Christmas program. And I think I maybe ran across the same article online talking about the, I forget, what were the two planets? Do you remember? Saturn and Jupiter, maybe, the two planets that were aligned together for a little bit, and uh, how that's, what is it, every 2,000 years, something like 2,000 years or something like that. Well, that's very interesting. I don't know. Um, I guess maybe I wouldn't be as strongly hanging on to that as though that is the, the Bethlehem star, because this... I guess to me, anyway, it seems to be pointed out that the star moved. It went from the east to Bethlehem. 
however far that was, and then it stopped and it stood over where the young child was. I thought that was interesting. That it went, it went before them. It, the way that it says went before them reminds me of how the cloud and the pillar of fire went before the Israelites as they traveled through the wilderness. It just stayed a little bit ahead. And when it was time for them to stop for the night, it stopped. And next morning they packed up and followed. If it would move, they would follow. And if it didn't move, they didn't follow. They stopped for the night for however long it was. Interesting how the Lord leads people. He's not limited in His ways of leading people, is He? If people are really wanting to follow. Anything else we can glean here from this passage? I'll just point this out. There are some other truths here I'd like to get into. We might not get to. We'll, we'll let out here pretty soon. But I started marking down, at least in this passage, in the Matthew passage, um, some in chapter 1, the latter part of chapter 1, which uh, the chapter 1 starts out with the generations, which also helps us to understand the prophecy that was fulfilled in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Um, but I started marking down the times where God used a dream to speak and to guide. And uh, let's see where the first one is. It was in chapter 1. It's in verse 20. Um, this passage actually doesn't give the description of the, the uh, angel and Mary's account. That's found in Luke. But here in Matthew, it starts off talking about uh, when Jesus was born. Um, and then it talks about the, um, Joseph being concerned because there was a conception here. His, his uh, spouse wife was pregnant and with child and it wasn't him. They were abstaining. She was a virgin. And then he was trying to figure out what to do about it. He didn't want to make her a public example. He didn't want to shame her. But he's trying to understand what, what was going on. Verse number 20, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream. And that was the first account that I have wrote down. So I have a one by that. Then in chapter 2, uh, verse number 12, we have, uh, says, And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. So there's a dream being used to speak to the wise men. And then I have another one marked in the following verse. Then there was a dream that was used. The angel of the Lord appeared unto Joseph in a dream, saying, Arise, take the young child and his mother, and flee unto Egypt. And let's see where the next one is. Is it in 19? It says, But when Herod was dead, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. So there's the fourth, I believe. And then maybe in verse 22, um, when he was going back, then he found out that Archelaus did reign in Judea, which was Herod's son. And it says, Notwithstanding, being warned of God in a dream... He turned aside into the parts of Galilee. So here's just every step God is using a dream there. It's very interesting. We don't uh, hear of that as much, but there are 
prophecies in the scriptures talking about God uh, using dreams to speak to people in the end times. And uh, we do, I guess, hear of that in the Middle East a lot, how the Lord uses dreams. And Muslims say that they've they met Jesus in a dream, and they go to the imam, and what's how 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 would you handle that if you were an imam? And so a Muslim comes to you and they say they've been talking to Jesus in a dream. Who is this Jesus man? <laughs> he's not just a prophet, he's God. Uh, so God does use dreams. But we do have to be very careful. Um, I would say that when God speaks through a dream, it would be very clear. Uh, there's a very clear message in a dream. And uh, I think some people are led astray by that, by their dreams. Not all your, not all your dreams are spiritual. In case you haven't figured that out already. <laughs> I've woke up many mornings thanking the Lord that it was just a dream. It's not real. Actually, I used to wake up sometimes. Say, well, that can't be real. That can't be real. And uh, many times the devil would be fighting and uh, would rebuke the enemy. And it didn't seem like the enemy was leaving. And I said, well, that's not real, and I would wake up. <laughs> I said, because the enemy has to leave when you rebuke him. He has to go. That's not true. Any other final thoughts before we close? And uh, we'll, we won't be able to come to this passage next week because we have missionary service, so maybe it'll be a couple weeks before we get back to this passage. But any other thoughts? Kind of sounds like Pharaoh in the Old Testament, doesn't it? Seeing the miracles, but then still having a disrespect and hatred and wanting to have his own way. That's interesting. Really does. Yeah, it really does. Yeah, that's true. Anyone else? Going once? Going twice? Almost gone? Let's stand. Let's close in prayer. We do love you, Lord. We thank you for your blessings to us. Uh, thank you, Lord, for your scriptures and the ability to be able to study and understand. And thank you, Lord, for all the prophecies. You didn't have to do that. You could have just carried out salvation's plan. But you gave promises, and those in the Old Testament were able to hope towards those promises. And those in the New Testament were able to see those carried out. We thank you, Lord, for the prophecies of your second coming. Uh, thank you that we can have things to look forward to and, and hope of eternal glory with you. I pray that you would help us to find our place in the prophecies that are yet to be carried out as we are still living in Bible times. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to understand our place so that we can uh, jump to our duties and understand what you would have us to do. What is our place in the story? What are you going to carry out? What do you want us to be busy doing until your second coming? I pray that you would guide us and lead us um, 
Press these truths upon our hearts and our minds. Help us to appreciate you and all that you've done for us. Help us to be magnifying you and uh, be awestruck from your greatness and your power to be able to carry out these miracles and these many things. Thank you once again for understanding in the Word, for encouraging our hearts tonight. We ask that you would bless those who weren't able to be here tonight and bless each one as we go about our ways, that you would go with us, protect us, and guide us. We'll give you the glory and you the praise. You alone are worthy. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said, Amen. You're dismissed.